You can't just help but dance to our theme song. Like seriously, it's so. Good. I have this weird background. Hey, that's one from one of my games. No, it's, it's supposed to be. It's it, no, it's not. It's supposed to be this. There we go. See, if I had a background, my video is gonna get all choppy, and that's not gonna that's be great. Okay. I've got one for both of us. So there you go. Yes, pimp us out with these logo. <laughs> Hi, internet. This is gonna be an interesting review, but we're here to have a good time. All you Biconics wrestling nerds out there, thank you for tuning in to another live stream of ours. Me and my TNA co-host, or one of them, I should say, if you couldn't already tell from the scrolling ticker at the bottom, we are here to review the TNA No Surrender 2024 PLE for TNA Wrestling that took place in Louisiana this past Friday, February 23rd. It's really weird because the pay-per-view happened Friday and we're reviewing it now. Trust me, we were busy this weekend at the Biconics because the TNA boys had no surrender. WWE boys had Elimination Chamber last night. Or this morning, if you chose to stay up until 2 a.m. in the morning to watch it on Saturday. I did not because I wanted to see. But this is going to be an interesting review because, as I said, my name is Mikey El Jefe himself here. Joined with me is one of my TNA wrestling co-hosts over at the Takedown Truth. You know him. You love him. You can find him re reviewing TNA and NXT with me. I have Will, also known as Papa Oso, around these parts. Will, thank you for staying up late to review this with me. Of course. Always. Love it. Unfortunately, we are missing our other co-host, Andrew. He's been busy with Theater Life and also shared some exciting news with us, which I'm super happy for him and his family are expanding. So that is a beautiful thing, as always. But fret not, Internet. He will be back next week. I am super excited to have him. It's really only been two weeks, but Andrew, we love you, miss you, and we're super happy to have you back. We're also really excited that you let us be a part of your life and share some awesome news. Speaking of sharing things, before we jump into this uh, pay-per-view proper, let's just do some housekeeping out of the way, so that way we can just talk about this pay-per-view in general. You can, if you enjoy all the stuff we do, we are doing this live stream via Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, we're even live streaming this on Twitter somehow. It's, it's, I don't know how the internet works, but we are plastered our faces all over the place. But you can also find all this stuff on the YouTube channel. You can follow us all over the social medias at the BC WrestlePod that we have displayed underneath our names here on the screen, which is really, really fun to watch. And of course, if you can't watch our beautiful faces, you can listen to our beautiful voices as we have audio versions of all our reviews and you will get an audio version of this one review as well so you can take us along for long car rides for when you're at work when you're trying to study for a test or if you're taking care of business on the porcelain throne we don't care where you listen to us just listen to us and then obviously excitingly we're going to keep mentioning it until we get close to it the biconics are going to be live and in person for the first time at the new <clears throat> jersey wrestlecon May 18th, May 19th in Middleton, New Jersey. We are going to be there. We're going to have a table. Come say hi to us. Chat with us. We're going to have some fun merch. We're, you know, we want to meet you guys that are in New Jersey. And hopefully we can also say hi to some of our favorite wrestlers that are planning to be there. If you watch this, please be there because I want to say hi to you. Please. That's not stalkery at all. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's very fair. But no, I'm super excited to kind of have us there. I would like to shout out Adolfo for, you know, letting us know and kind of setting that all up for us. And then we've been working behind the scenes to get slowly ready for this. So I'm super excited. My goodness, it's going to come before we know it. All righty, Will. So before we get into the pay-per-view, we briefly mentioned this offline. So I would like to set the record straight. Before we get into this pay-per-view, I want to acknowledge the fact that this pay-per-view was live from Louisiana. And this is the first non-taped TNA thing post Scott Demore being let go from the company, getting fired from Anthem and from TNA Wrestling. We've already covered the extent of what happened, what went down, so we're not going to tell the whole story from the beginning. But No Surrender is the first non-taped TNA thing post Scott Demore being let go from TNA and being fired. And my biggest worry going into No Surrender was I was going to immediately tell the difference of Scott Demore not being there. But I have to say, I still want Scott Demore there. That's not going to change. But I was pleasantly surprised and happy that it didn't feel too obvious that things have changed. Now that the pay-per-view is over, we're going to see how the weekly shows go because we got two weeks until Sacrifice, which we'll be back here in two weeks covering that pay-per-view. 
And then the real test for this new version of TNA without Scott Demore is going to be after sacrifice when we have five to six weeks building to the next major pay-per-view for TNA in Rebellion, which is going to be taking place April 20th. But the reason I bring this up is because me and Will were talking before we went live that the TNA locker room before the pay-per-view came on air and started for us watching at home. Eric Young led the TNA locker room and they basically stated that the landscape for TNA has definitely shifted. Things are a little uncertain right now and lots of people have questions. They are going to try their best to answer said questions, but the one thing that can be for certain, and this is Eric Young who's leading the charge and giving this promo before the pay-per-view went on air, that TNA is not going over where they're going to continue to provide entertainment for those of us that have been supporting TNA you know, in this transition to be rebranded as TNA from Impact Wrestling. And the locker room is going to give it their all and they're going to work through this uncertainty with us. But they ain't going nowhere and there's no surrender with TNA. Eric Young is the perfect person you want to put in front of these people to assuade any worries. Things like that because this is a person who's been with TNA for the longest time. And honestly, not to say I wouldn't believe it if it came from somebody else. But for some reason, I was like, Eric Young, I believe it is going to be okay. We're going to make it through together. And that ultimately was pretty much the pinnacle of that message is that we know what's happening. We can't really address it. Otherwise, we're going to get in trouble, but we're not dumb either. We're not going to pretend that we are going to continue to support each other, which made me feel a little bit better after watching that. Now, I might change my tune given the couple of weeks once we start building to sacrifice and rebellion, but at least for no surrender, it assuaded my fear before I started hitting play on this thing. And I'm not a negative Nancy by any means, but I feel that we weren't going to see anything major happening in this pay-per-view. Because even the the powers that be now understand that they can't, you can't just change something overnight and expect the fans to go with you. So I figured that this pay-per-view was going to be like what we were expecting. And it, and it was. I mean, it came out the way I was hoping it would and that there weren't any big major changes. But I think we're going to start seeing the changes in the weekly episodes, if, if there are any. Now, I'm saying that there are any. There may They may not change anything other than, like, you know, programming or whatever, but, but it'll be interesting to see in the weekly programs because I, that's where they're going to start testing things. If they're going to start shifting something, that's where they're going to do it. They won't do it at a pay-per-view. No, and I honestly agree with you. I don't think we're going to start seeing the shift until probably after Sacrifice. Because we, like I said, we have about five to six weeks after sacrifice to build towards rebellion. So I think they're going to start doing small changes. So we'll see what happens. But one thing that we didn't really talk about on our review too is the fact that Anthem is kind of making questionable choices because they chose to, you know, enact Josh Alexander's like extension clause. So, you know, they, Anthem decided to re-sign Josh and to extend his contract for a year. So according to Fightful, he was already signed for two years, I believe. So they decided to, that Anthem pulled the trigger to extend his contract. So now Josh is going to be there for the next three years, which is cool and everything. But I feel like since we were in the midst of Josh just starting his new contract, from a business standpoint, I understand because Josh is a hot commodity. You don't want mm -hmm. him going to other promotions. But after you fire the biggest cheerleader for this locker room, and then you proceed to pull that move, it doesn't look good, Anthem. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're realizing it's like, maybe we were coming in too hot too fast. But only, and I'm going to say this for a lot of this review tonight, only time will tell what's going to happen with that but we cannot predict the future but we can talk about what happened in the past so let's just get straight into it i love my little slideshows aesthetically but we are here to review no surrender honestly these are kind of the right people to pick for this on this on this poster especially our girlies on the right which we'll talk about them later because that was the most surprising thing but i was super happy for them but let us just jump straight into it so as always, like with most of these pay-per-views, we get a countdown to No Surrender show. So the first 30 minutes before the actual pay-per-view goes on air, we had two pre-show matches. So we're going to talk about those before jumping into the main card. So the pre-show kicked off with a tag team match. We saw Speedball Mountain, the team of Mike Bailey and Trent Seven, taking on their eternal rivals as of now, 
the rascals. So it is no secret, and I'm kind of going to throw my co-host under the bus a little bit, <laughs> but like in a good way. So it's no secret that Will is kind of getting sick and tired of seeing the rascals do rascally, wily things across the locker room, which I totally understand. And I'm kind of getting tired of it too. How, as much as I wanted Speedball Mountain to win this match, it makes sense that the Rascals won, especially because the numbers game is still working against Speedball Mountain. And Mike Bailey's not really injured, but they played up the fact that Mike Bailey had an injured, like his leg was hurting, and we saw the Rascals continue to go after it anytime Mike Bailey was in the ring. I was really surprised because I have to say, I wanted more from this match, and maybe because I'm biased because I like Trent Seven, but. Trent was kind of barely in this match. It was mostly Mike Bailey doing two on one. Yeah. It's like, what happened? Trent, what happened? Yeah. You know, again, and yeah, I let me put it out there before someone comes hating on me. I like the Rascals. I think what they have created is great. It really is. You know, I, I love who they are. I love what they represent. I love them as a as carrot, you know, as the, the players themselves, the wrestlers, they've created this amazing tag team. And, but my big thing is, is now everything's becoming predictable. And I think that when things are become predictable, you have to fix, you have to switch things up. And like, whenever the rascal, whenever they announce that the rascals are wrestling, I immediately am like, okay, they're going to win by shenanigans. Done. And that's usually what happens. It's very rare. Does it not happen? You know, there's the occasional match where they someone does beat them because for a storyline purpose. But for the most part, it's literally they come in and we saw it in this match. You know, I mean, the Rascals were the Rascals and it was like, okay, all right. I just want something different. I don't want them to change who they are. I don't want anything like that, but I want to see something new. I I'm, I'm tired of, and I'm also, the other thing I'm tired of is that when their opponents fight them, their opponents are surprised when they do something that, you know, they're not supposed to. I'm like, how do you guys not know that the Rascals are going to cheat in any any chance they can get? Their name and, is literally the Rascals. Yes. And it's so funny. And it's 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 frustrating at this point that and like I said, I only always go back to that one with, with Rick Swan. I think it was when he when he like Rich just, has been the yeah, only person yeah. to realize it's like, I've watched what you guys do. I know it's <laughs> like, nope, you're not getting me with the spray paint. And they got each other. And it was like, that's what I'd see. Now, if I now if in this match, if I had seen more of that, I would have been and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the other teams that are frustrating me, not necessarily the Rascals. Maybe it's the other teams because they're so like, what? They're cheating? Yes! <laughs> it's like, how many times? Mike Bailey, how many times have you wrestled the Rascals and they not cheated? Specifically, like, you have had <laughs> quite a few interactions with Trey Miguel, like, over the last couple of months or so. I was like, okay, so before we go down this rabbit hole of just nitpicking, so I agree with my co-host here. <laughs> Anytime the rascals are on screen, I know what I'm getting. I want a new dimension from them. Like I want, they could continue yes. to be like little like turd heels. Yeah. yeah, to be little turd heels. But it's it's really funny to say this because we're watching grown people fight in a ring and, like with these weird storylines. We suspend <laughs> our disbelief with professional wrestling, but like there's a certain point I was just like, I know I'm suspending my disbelief, but come on. You mean to tell me that Speedball Mountain hasn't like seen previous matches the Rascals have been involved in? Now, thankfully, the spray paint didn't come into play here. True. Because what ended up happening and, you know, going through the match again in my notes, I have to give it to the Rascals for this one because they played offense and they played smart because they kept Trent Seven out of the ring as much as possible to isolate Mike Bailey because Mike Bailey had a leg injury. And I put that in air quotes because <laughs> Fabe, we know he's not really hurt, but the Rascals were smart in this match. They kept Trent out of the ring as much as possible. It was lots of two on one, you know, continuing to hammer away at Mike Bailey's leg. That shooting star press from Trey Miguel was a thing of beauty. I was like, oh my gosh, it was great. And then, of course, the numbers game eventually caught up to Speedball Mountain because Steve Macklin came out when the ref was distracted to chop block Mike Bailey to allow the Rascals to pick up the victory. So, Rascals win. They're celebrating with Steve Macklin at the top of the ramp. Trent Seven, being the British dad himself, goes and check in on Mike Bailey for all this. And 
I was talking to Will before we went live. I think that if it's not at sacrifice, I could see this being a television match leading into rebellion. I think that Macklin and the Rascals are going to continue to run roughshod over Speedball Mountain, which then will prompt Nick Nemeth to come back. And then we get the three on three that the three of us have been talking about the last couple of weeks of what we would like to see where the story can go. I want Speedball Mountain to finally start winning some things because even though they've only been losing it, like they haven't lost too much, but I want to see them start picking up some Steve because I was like, I don't want to, them to job out the rascals if that makes any sense. I agree. I'm ready for Speedball Mountain to do some, to, to be more than just tertiary characters. Because right now I feel like they're completely sidelined. You know, it's like, well, we need the we need these people to wrestle somebody. Oh, let's put Mike Bailey and Trent Seven in the ring with them. You know, they're like almost like an afterthought, and that's that's annoying because they're both really good, and they're good together as a tag team. So I don't understand why. I mean, I get it, I guess, whatever. But I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get why you are sidelining such good talent and i mean i'm sorry but i much rather would wa would rather watch mike bailey and trent seven legitimately than have watched this match again this yeah. match bad this match was not bad but like you said trent seven was barely in it and i know they were focusing on you know annihilating mike bailey getting, you know knocking him out of the system as much as they can but it's like i would rather watch a match that is literally, you know, Speedball Mountain versus someone as opposed to the Rascals versus, you know, I want them to be first. I want to see their names first. You know, it's like, I just feel like they're not being given their due. And, you know, for whatever that reason is, I don't know because I'm not involved in the day-to-day, -day, but it's annoying because they're so good. I'm sorry, but looking back, and I, I will still, to this day, I will refer to this match as when Mike Bailey fought Will Ospreay. That whole, Ooh. that match alone should have, Ooh. should elevate these two to some kind of something status. Because we know that Mike Bailey could whip butt. We know he can. And this match just made me... Or actually didn't make me, made him look like he was nothing. Yeah, and I think for me personally, too, I know that Speedball Mountain is a newer tag team, and so they're kind of a makeshift tag team. But I feel that because we have gotten... Pretty much they've been working together since Final Resolution back in December, so it's been about two months. I feel that we should be out of the makeshift tag team phase between Speedball Mountain. And so... I know it served a purpose because they're still kind of figuring out how they work together as a team against an established tag team like the Rascals, but I'm ready for them to kind of go beyond the makeshift tag team phase and start winning. And again, I think they're finally going to pick up some steam once eventually, you know, Nick Nemeth comes back and then evens out the odds and gets back at Macklin for, you know, attacking him a couple weeks ago. So I thought this was a fine, uh, this was a fun match. It but was. I'm ready to see Speedball Mountain start to pick up some wins and kind of leave the honeymoon phase of being a makeshift tag team. Because you're right. Now that I think about it, I'm like, how does Mike Bailey go from wrestling Will Ospreay to losing the Rascals? No shade to the Rascals, but I mean, Will Ospreay. <laughs> I agree. Like I said, I love the Rascals. Don't get me wrong. I do. I love them. I'm just, I just want, I don't want the same old, same old. Right. I want more from them. I'm I'm yep. bored of I'm bored with what they have now because it's like they've been doing this since they they've been been in their inception and it's like okay yeah great we get it now give me something else now yeah give me something more speaking of me wanting more we get our second pre-show match which sees the system being represented by Eddie Edwards and Brian Myers taking on the time splitters which is Kushida and Kevin Knight so I'm just gonna put this out there. Between these two pre-show matches, this wasn't a good start for any of our heroes on this episode. Like the faces in the countdown show, both face teams lost to the heel yep. teams. I will say this this match was more evenly matched than yes. the previous one that we talked to. I think this was a better back and forth. Again, I got to say, I love Kushida, but Kevin Knight, man, he stole it for me because, you know, Kevin Knight is your high flyer. And I don't want to say that Kushida did bad. 
But I no. feel that Kushida needs to be matched against someone who's going to keep up with him because, again, no. I'm going to harken back to the triple threat between Vikingo, him, and Saban for the X Division Championship at Hard to Kill. Like, oh, yeah. that to me is the type of opponents that Kushida should face. Yeah. And Kushida and Kevin Knight are an actual tag team, so they were able to show that there, but man again eddie edwards and brian myers have kicked it into second gear especially eddie man like yeah. eddie since coming out of that long feud that we had with him and frank kazarian which you know we don't have to revisit no and we've already <laughs> awarded it and we here at the, the Biconics have already awarded it as the worst feud of 2023 i don't care what the other boys mm. said at the end of the episode that I match like was that feud was went on for like Way too long. It was crazy. Way too long. But Way. this was a fun match. This was more evenly mm -hmm. out, of course. But man, my nope. this is one of my favorite moves re recently. But the backpack stunner from the top rope. You know, this is another match that I was like, okay, I know who's going to win this. And I don't think that's necessarily anyone's fault. I think that's just because they're really trying to get the system kind of established. And they've got to win as many matches as possible. So I get that. I am kind of tired of Kushida not winning anything. Again, another great, and Kevin Knight, I mean, another great set of duo of wrestlers that just aren't going anywhere. And that's kind of frustrating. And, but again, you're right. Eddie, has, he's been on fire lately. And I love, I love this new, whatever he's got going. I love this. His wife still annoys me, but he's great. And I think he and Brian Myers are a great tag team. I think they work well together. They communicate well together. You know, of course, Kushida and, and Kevin Knight did too. And, but I just, yeah, I felt like, I agree with you. I don't think Eddie and Brian were the right opponents for Kushida and Kevin. I think no. you're right. You know, they need someone that they need, dare I say, but I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I, well, I agree with there's you. There's one tag team that can match their aggressiveness that we'll talk about later because it seems now that we're particularly done with our best of three series, you know, that, that does open up, you know, two of our tag teams. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. I just. We'll talk about my speculations too because what happened for the TNA World Championship match and, you know, the results of that, I think we're going to have everybody kind of start moving on. And I think, again, my biggest issue with this match, and I can't really complain about it because it's the thing that mm. professional wrestling does. The system kind of just showed up at Hard to Kill with no explanation. Yeah. And so we have to give the system some wins in order to build up their credibility to be like, we don't know their origin story. They just showed up at Hard to Kill yeah. one night. But, you know, they should be a force to reckon with. And, you know, Shelly, Kushida, and Kevin Knight are the current three that are in this feud with them to continually to, you know, give them some wins to build up their credibility. But I think after tonight, I think everybody's going to move on to different things. So yep. we'll talk about that. But I still thought this was a fun match. But again, Close. I knew that the system was going to win. And it just sucks that Kushida and Kevin Knight had to take the L once again. Yep. But I will say this is a more even contention yes. match than the first one because both teams were actually... Active given a chance to yeah. go everybody was active in it and you know the numbers game didn't do anything so that was our countdown show so we get a video package to hype up no surrender and then we enter our first match on the main card which this so we were told this this past thursday that we were going to get eric young versus frankie kazarian then it was announced on social media and on the paper on the countdown show the pre-show that there was now stakes involved in this match because the winner of this match would go on to face whoever wins in the TNA World Championship match later in the evening at Sacrifice. So this is basically turned into a number one contenders match where the winner would get a title shot at Sacrifice in two weeks in Canada. So we saw Eric Young taking on Frankie Kazarian and this was my first pleasantly surprised match of the evening because of two things number one i was really surprised to see frankie kazarian get so much of the offense in this match usually it's 50 50 on a good wrestling mm -hmm. match i want to say this is more like 70 30 maybe 30, pushing yeah. it to 8 20 80 yeah. 20 because frankie was dominating for the majority of yeah. this match. and eric young did his 
I don't want to say did his best because Eric Young did fight back. It would be, he wasn't looking weak here. But my second thing, what I really appreciated is how the finish went down. Normally, I don't like surprise roll-ups as finishers because it's like, well, that's a cheap way to do it. But from a storytelling perspective, totally and the commentary dead. sold the moment too, because this new version of Frankie Kazarian, he wants to be the king of TNA. Like whatever he's whatever he says goes. He thinks his ego is getting the best of him, and that's what cost him the match. Is because he, mm -hmm. his ego got the best of him. He argued with the ref, saying that it should have been a three count instead of a two count when he went to pin Eric Young, which allowed Eric Young to do a surprise roll up to win the match. And Eric Young is going to try to compete for the TNA World Championship. And I was pleasantly surprised from this match. This yeah. was actually a really good. While the wrestling was kind of hit or miss in terms of because Frankie got most of the offense, I think this was one of my favorite. This was at the top of my like top three, top four yeah. matches of the evening because the storytelling in this is Eric Young played it smart and fed into let Frankie's ego kind of be his mm -hmm. downfall. Uh, Icarus flew too close to the sun and he was able to take advantage. Yep. Yes, I agree. This match, I was completely surprised by the ending of it. I thought for sure Frankie was going to win this one. I really did. Mainly because he did. He dominated this match. I was like, holy goodness. I mean, he was fighting for blood. And I thought, but then, of course, in my my little, my empathetic soul was just like, oh, poor Eric. He's just getting, like, beat down. He's just getting beat down so badly. At one point, I quoted Hamlet. This is like, Eric. It's like, it's like, he hardly knew you. Yeah. I was, I was like, like writing oh a whole God. eulogy for him. I was like, this is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. And, I, and you saw it happen. You saw Frankie's ego get in the way. Hubris. And then Eric Young took advantage of it. And I don't diss him for it. I'm like, absolutely. And I agree with you. I think the surprise roll-ups are kind of like a cheap way of doing things. But this worked. Because literally it was like, oh, I know what I need to do. I, Frankie needs to... We need to... I need to basically poke at his hubris and that's what he did and man i've never been and i love again i love frankie kazarian but i've never been so happy than when eric young won that match because i was like yeah you show him after he beat you down after he was your your friend or whatever and then he beat you down you take that match from him <laughs> like yes also get revenge for him sending big demo after you on the yeah. go yeah like i said the wrestling itself maybe ha wasn't necessarily like the most mind-blowing thing, no. but it was a fantastic match between two veterans of the craft. But more importantly, I it think the storytelling story. in this match yeah. made me more invested in this before because yeah. this match salvaged Frankie could heal promo when he cut after attacking Young and we got that heel promo and it turned out to be a whole lot of nothing and like paint by numbers. Like I'm the generic villain of the week, like a Power Rangers episode. Yeah, but, it was bad. But what I also really loved, and normally I don't condone violence, but I also love that hubris turned into anger, and Frankie Kazarian lost his mother tuck in mind because he attacked the ref. He threw a security guard. Yep. Like he was fighting people left and right. And I was like, Frankie's gonna make an appearance at Sacrifice. I bet you watch. That's gonna happen. And then we're gonna get some sort of crazy match at Rebellion between these two. Because I'm gonna be yeah. honest. I'm super happy to see Eric Young get a title shot. Do I think he's going to win it? No. There's a slight bit of me, though, that would be really happy yeah, to see but... him win. But, you know, I don't want to spoil before we get there who is the champion right. with, the with the world title. But I don't think so because we're still kind of mm -hmm. young still in new. this in this title reign of yeah. our world champion at this yeah. point. Yeah. I was At first, I was surprised to see this match open the main card, but this was a nice way to end me. It was a good appetizer because, mm -hmm. okay, I have to, I, like, talking about this, this was like me on Adderall, like, this this was nuts because then we get our final match in the best of three series. So this is match three for the TNA World Tag Team Championship match with each team winning one match okay. apiece. This was the final to see who would become the championship. We had our challengers, GYV, the Grizzled Young Vets, taking on the champions, ABC. This match did not stop. Once that bell rang, it was go, go, go. And Man. these four men killed it. And honestly, this almost was my match of the night because 
this is how tag team wrestling needs to be. Oh my gosh, I don't even I don't even know where to start, Will. I don't know where to start. How long is that? I was exhausted. I was, I was like, sweating and I didn't even mm -hmm. do anything. I know, me too. I was this match was the what I really loved about this match is that you could tell both teams really wanted to win this match. And they were both whether no matter what they're saying out loud, both of them were like, if we could lose this match, we cannot lose this match. So I, it, they were fighting for their very lives, is what it felt like. And it, yeah, it was just go, go, go. There was not a dull moment. There was, and what I mean by that is there was not a moment of like nobody was still. Bodies were moving constantly and just all over the place. And of course, grizzled young vets, man, they are like brutal you know and it's like and you know and i love the fact i love how abc and grizzled and gyv uh, their styles are so different and yet very similar because they're both both teams are sort of like almost like street fighting is what it feels like a lot of times and like the like these two groups got together in a dark alley somewhere and this is then they're fighting it out in the alley you know i would love to see that because I think these, these four would be super entertaining. I mean, after this match, I was like, like these four, they need to have another match with them. And like, I don't know, something that's got to be crazy, crazy. Because they are, it was, I was so exhausted at the end of this match. I was literally just like, oh my gosh. So, yeah. And I think I chose uh, GYV to win this match, but I was totally, totally fine with, with the ABC winning. I was totally cool with it. I actually, I really like ABC. I really do. I, I love ABC. GYV put up a heck of a fight. Mm -hmm. and this match was given some time, which mm -hmm. is what I wanted to see. I think one of my favorite moments is like, you know, GYV gets set up to kind of give a DDT in the corner and to try, and we had Drake trying to, to dive with a missile drop kick, yeah. but then Ace Austin pushed him off the ropes and then choked Gibson with the scarf as like a fun visual. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Which this is really, match, yeah, this, this match was fun and exciting, uh, so and good, exhausting. So, yes, ABC hit the art of finesse to mm -hmm. pick up the victory, and they are they won the third and final match, and so they retain their TNA World Tag Team Championships. As we mentioned before, now that it seems we're gonna take abc and gyv and like make them go their separate ways for now i would love to see gyv go up against uh time splitters because i think that would be a fantastic match and honestly you know with the system picking up as many wins as they can i wouldn't be upset if abc challenges the system or the system challenges for the titles next only because i think abc and the system mm. with brian myers and eddie edwards would be a fantastic feud as well I agree. The men's tag division, there's so many good men's tag teams in this division that I think really good. You have GYV, ABC, you have the Rascals, you have the System, and you even have the Good Hands too as like our jokey tag team too. Like there's so many good tag teams. This match was almost my match of the night when we get there, but this match had me tired. Mm -hmm. So I didn't write all the backstage segments we got because I only picked the ones that kind of like were stood out to me in a little bit. So this is the first one where Macklin and the Rascals are celebrating backstage and they're talking their smack and basically <laughs> says that Speedball Mountain doesn't have a chance, you know, of taking them out. I was just like, the only reason I wanted to bring this up because it leads into my theory that Nick Nemeth is going to come back and he is going to even the odds and we're going to get something with these six, which I'm super looking forward to. So now we're going to talk about probably the most decisive match of the evening because at first I didn't like it upon first watching. And then I watched it again and thought about it. I was like, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I did. Because if this leads to where I want it to lead, then I'm okay with this. I'm still struggling with this. But we get into PCO versus Khan. I will admit there was nothing inherently wrong with this match. But this was my least favorite match of the night. And that's only because we had a DQ after only four minutes of wrestling. But then the beatdown and the match that happened, like the fight that happened afterwards was actually really fun. I'm torn, though, because I was like, I want to hate this match, but I can't because of what we got afterwards. And I'm hoping this sets up my Monsters Ball match that I want, man. Give me a Monsters Ball. Sorry, I'm violent Agreed. towards Monsters Ball. But let's talk about the match before, you know, the ultimate Street Fighter, like back alley brawl that we got after the DQ happened. Because, I mean, this is your standard, like, big man slapping big man meat match. Like, these are two big boys 
you know. fight each other. I, I mean, at first, I didn't want to take Khan seriously in his like checkered polo. I was yeah. like, bro, we got we got to get you better wrestling gear. But yeah. I was like, this was okay. Like, I mean, it's all right. I, there wasn't anything spectacular about it. I mean, not really. I mean, it wasn't a bad match. It was just like. I mean, you know, I love PCO. Any chance, anytime PCO fights, I, I enjoy it because I know that there's going to be some kind of undeadness to it. But I don't know. I was just, I agree with you. I think this was probably my least favorite match of the night, even though it wasn't a bad match. It was probably my least because I don't think that it was necessarily, I don't feel that there's any, really any story to it. Like it just sort of happened, you know? No, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it just kind of happened. I honestly thought this would be in the pre show. I really did. Honestly, if they had switched this with the system and the time splitters, mm -hmm. I think that would have been a better choice. Agreed. And you know, I wanted to hate this match more than I do now because at first I was like, I wasted my time. This was a four minute match. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting it to go long, but then I thought about it. I was like, no. Upon second viewing, I thought to myself, this is the right decision to go. You can only watch two big boys constantly hitting each other for so long. What I'm hoping this leads to and I'm going to manifest it, and I don't care what nobody says. What I'm hoping this leads to is I want a street fight, but more importantly, I want a Monsters Ball. Give me a Monsters Ball match. I just want PCO to be our master of Monster Balls. Because yeah. Monster Ball matches is where PCO shines. And honestly, I would love to see what Khan does in a Monsters Ball too. You have big two monsters of men, and in a Monsters Ball match, anything goes. I want the... If I'm hoping this takes it to the next stage where now it's like, oh, okay, so DQs are going to happen. All right, Street Fight or Monsters Ball, but let them tear each other to pieces. Literally, the next pay-per-view is called Sacrifice. Let them sacrifice their bodies and have a street fight or something of that extent. I, I need, agree. I'm hoping it leads to something that goes to the next step, the next level of match types. Because if this is a one and done, I was just like, mm, okay. Yeah, I agree with you. Totally. Absolutely. All right. So we go from two men beating the tar out of each other to two teams of women beating the tar out of each other. Okay, I need to prepare myself because, listen, all six women that we got in this whole entire segment, I was just like, my girls, I love them so much. But it is also really nice that we got to see this match actually give some time because next up was the TNA Knockouts World Tag Team Championship match. We had our girls, Masha Slamovich and Killer Kelly of MK Ultra, taking on the champions of Rosemary and Havoc of K. This match was pretty kick-ass. I was like, I knew it was going to be good. But then mm -hmm. this was this, this is the third green flag as I'm giving in here because I was truly not expecting MK Ultra to pick up the titles here. But I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, let's go. Oh, I agree. I, I was shocked. I, I just think that MK Ultra. I mean, I know it hasn't been that long, but like they lost and then they just disappeared. Like we were constantly like, where are they? And I'm just glad that I'm glad they're back. I mean, I was excited and I'm happy for it because, you know, yay MK Ultra, because we love you. Okay, we love you too. But I I was pleasantly surprised. I I, I was very shocked that Decay <laughs> lost. I mean, I can't say it enough. I, I'm when I was watching this match, I, I after after it stopped, I had to pause and had to sit there and think about it for a second. Because I was just like, did that just happen? You know, I mean, like seriously. I mean, we were talking again. We were talking to talking about it before we started live. Went live, but I, I don't know where they're going now. Here's my fear. God, here's my fear. Is now we've got MK Ultra back in the saddle, and now now Decay's gonna disappear. And that's gonna that's gonna build me. I mean, because I love Decay. I love this whole new. They are awesome, and so I'm really kind of hoping they don't go the way of MK Ultra did when they. I want to see Decay fight some other people. It didn't have to be for a title. I want to see them like come out and fight whomever. But I just I don't know. I, I, it was a great match. Love this match. Boy, howdy, did I love this match? But it really did. It surprised me. It did totally. And yeah. And one thing I will say is that normally I don't like titles flip-flopping between people like so quickly in succession because like I said before, Decay won these titles at Hard to Kill and they've only had them for about a month or so. But what makes me a little more optimistic about it is what happens after the match mm. because MK Ultra go to continue to beat down on Decay. But then we have Danny Luna and Jody Threat, <laughs> the team that I'm calling my unintentional lesbians, come in for the save. 
And so now it seems that we are going to be starting a program between MK Ultra and Danny Luna and Jody Threat because in hindsight, leading into this match, Masha beat Jody, but remember, Killer Kelly lost to Danny Luna. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. Hold up, I gotta highlight this really quick. Our buddy mm -hmm. Andrew is on break from tech and he's like, it's all about Luna Threats. That is what I want their tag team name to be named. Yeah. Luna Threats, please. That is that is so good. But I'm more okay with MK Ultra beating Decay, even though they haven't had the titles for very long, because now we're building towards MK Ultra and then the Luna Threats, as Andrew has coined them. We're calling them now the Luna Threats, also known as my unintentional lesbian. I love it so much, but I hope that Decay doesn't disappear from TV because I feel that there are a few other things that we can do with them in terms of giving them storylines and feuds that don't have to be around the title. But I love this match and I like seeing titles and title changes mean something at an event even if this is not a big, poor pay-per-view, which I think is super important because Lord knows other promotions have a hard time of making women's tag teams mm -hmm. matter. And TNA has done a good job with making the knockouts tag team division like matter, even if it's only three teams right now, which hopefully that will change as we continue forwards. Cause I would love to see more women's tag teams make Me their way too. into the knockouts division. Me too. So we go from there. So these first sets of matches were fun. You know, they set us up. They were a good time to be had. But then the next couple of matches, I was just like, my body was not ready for all the things that happened. And we start off the second half of the pay-per-view with probably the most hard-hitting match that I have seen. And that was Josh Alexander versus Simon Goss. Jiminy H. Christmas will this match was oh my goodness this, this match was so good i will admit it did start a little slow for like the first couple of minutes but then they did anything and everything to leave welts bruises and maybe break a couple of ribs in the process jeez louise this was intense yeah this was one of, another one of those I, I was exhausted afterwards and i you know and i kind of figured you know going into this i really did i was like this is gonna be this is gonna hit hard and boy did it ever like the sheer power behind all of the hits from these two men was inhuman that's all i can say it was so i thought for sure people were going to be taken out in an ambulance to an ambulance i literally was like someone is going to either get seriously injured because these two men want to destroy each other you know this was this match was personal there was nothing professional about this match <laughs> it was pure personal and this match was the embodiment of talk ish get hit like i mean this was truly a fool around and find out match. And I was, my jaw was on the floor. I was only, I wasn't prepared for it. I was not prepared. Man, it was, and it was a good match. It was so good. Of course, I think most of Josh's matches are pretty darn good for the most part. You know, you put a, this is the, that's what I like about Josh. If you put him up against an opponent that is equal to him, this, the match will be unhinged. And boy, and it was. Like I was again, I was also tired after this match because my, I, this was a hard hitting match. And oh my goodness, that combo finisher that Josh hit, you know, with the backbreaker into a nasty looking C4 spike for the win. This was an awesome match. And I thought this is super fantastic. And it continues to showcase that Josh Alexander is that dude. He's a reliable talent to have in TN. And like he always has really good matches. There's, I, Within the last year and a half, two years, I can't really find a match that I didn't necessarily like from Josh. I really hope he sticks around for a little bit in TNA for a little bit. I agree. Because I would love to see them run it back one more time in another yeah. match. And if they want to make this a trilogy match, I'm totally okay with it. I agree. You know what made, you know what I knew this was a serious match? And it wasn't until towards the end of it, really, but it was when when Simon knocked Josh's headgear off. I was like, oh, crap. We love some good <laughs> symbolism in wrestling, man. Like when the, when you knock off someone's ring gear, you know you, you activated like the second wind. And man, did you. I mean, then he hit him. He hit, he hit him with that backbreaker, then the, and then his C4, C4 spike. spike. I mean, honestly and truly, I felt like when he did that, I felt like I don't think he's done. <laughs> Literally, I thought, 
there was going to be more after that because I thought for sure that Simon was going to be like, yeah, just shake it off, you know, and do this some more. I mean, I really was. Because that was just the momentum of this match. It just, it was so like, there's more. There's got to be more. There's, there's, because, you know, what I loved about this is for the, anyone who doesn't know the history between these two men, you could feel the history in this match. You could feel that there was this, this vitriol for one another, you know, in just in the way it was happening. I mean, it was, man, it's got my heart pumping right now just talking about it. It was so crazy. My goodness. Crazy good. This was an awesome match. And again, I want to see them if... I hope Simon sticks around in TNA for a little bit longer because I would love to see them do another one and then do a rubber match for the end of the trilogy because if this is just a preview of what these two could do, I would love them to continue to fight for a little bit more. So, but, yes. And honestly, I think right now, I think this is a good way to keep Josh busy because he's had the prior to his injury since Josh held that TNA World Championship for such a long time. I don't think it's necessary for Josh to jumped straight back into the title mm. pictures anytime soon because look between you know he had two matches against osprey he got to team up with zach saber jr at final resolution he had a baller match against alex hammerstone at hard to kill continue to give josh really good opponents and i'm gonna continue to be interested in him even if he's not in the title picture right now that's he, the great thing i don't think he has to be in the title picture i don't think so either but speaking of people who are probably not going to be in the title picture anytime soon, we move on to our TNA World Championship match underneath No Surrender Rules. I'm going to be honest, I was kind of surprised to see this here because then once this was announced as the next match, I was like, oh my gosh, they're actually going to have the Knockouts Championship yeah. match be our semi-main event. And then, of course, we were told at the beginning of the show that the X Division Championship was going to main event the show. It's like, what? I was a little surprised by that, actually. But I but guess I, I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. Right. But we'll talk about the other two matches yeah. there because what we got for our main event, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too, actually. So, whereas Simon Gotch and Josh Alexander was just pure physical wrestling-like brutality, mm. This was literally no DQ street fight brutality because Moose and mm -hmm. Alex Shelley went to war to try to kill each other. You know what? I'm just going to jump straight into the moment where we got to see visually when Alex Shelley took like the wrench and when he tied up Moose's fingers in the turnbuckle oh, yeah. and then he used the wrench to tighten the turnbuckle to give that imagery of him crushing Moose's fingers within uh -huh. the turnbuckle. I was just like, that is frightening some final destination mess kind of here for it oh i was very much so you know and it's so funny because the second half of this pay-per-view was i think better than the first half like way way better and because it literally just exponentially every match got stronger and stronger and stronger they elevated it in different ways for each and this one was no different i mean I knew going into this, Moose is going to retain this. I knew that. We all did. Everybody knew that. Every, all you out there knew that, too. But I, I go back to one of the backstage moments for a second with Shelly and Saban. When, when Shelly was basically telling Saban to stay out of it, you know, just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I still am like, something's going on between Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. I don't know what it is, but there's a shift happening. And I'm so excited to see in the weeks to come what's going to happen, especially after this match happened and Shelley lost this match. I'm, and of course, what happens in the next match, too. I'm curious to see where these two go from here on out. But this match, man... Moose is no joke. I mean, that, and you know, neither is Shelly. Don't get me wrong. You know, Alex, I mean, he held his own. Moose, I mean, I thought it was very evenly matched. Yes, these two men were like trying to annihilate one another. I think I, I could feel that Shelly really wanted that title bad and he was going to do whatever he had to do to, to get it. You know, and this is what I love about these types of matches is that it really kind of brings out the heel in all of us. But I feel that all wrestling fans have some sort of propensity to violence, whether it be we want to see more physicality in matches. We like street fight matches. And TNA, I already said it before, I love me a Monsters Ball. Monsters Ball are my favorite kind of stipulation matches where violence can happen. But I'm really happy that they utilized something new for this match 
and contested under no surrender where the only way to win is to throw in the towel mm -hmm. and even though shelly lost i actually think that his defeat made him look strong because moose went for a spear shelly barely got back up afterwards you know ready to fight then moose tied a chain around his shoulder and then hit another spear with the chain shoulder. And then he was yelling at Kushida, threatening to do it again. And actually, I don't, I'm not mad at Kushida for throwing in the towel at this point because he's like, no, I'm not trying to get Alex Shelley knocked upside the head with this chain and the spear. Mm -hmm. So, from a storytelling perspective, even though Kushida threw in the towel for Alex Shelley, Alex Shelley was ready to put everything he had on the line and was willing to break his body in order to win mm -hmm. this championship. So, I'm interested to see the directions that both Moose and Alex Shelley go from here because unless we get one more match at Sacrifice, I think that we have closed the chapter on this feud for now. I think both men are ready to mm -hmm. move on to their yeah. next challengers or their next feuds and things like that. But man, what a way to end this chapter of the feud. And I just want to say this match just tells everybody out there we all have a little heel in us. I loved it. So prior to our next match, we get our concierge, chevalier, whatever you want to call him. And, you know, he introduces Ash by Elegance, who is coming out to scout our next match. And so she's here to look at the competition. Why was she here? Well, she was here to watch for our Knockouts World Championship match. We have our challenger, Giselle Shaw, who is cashing in, which we did confirm get confirmation from our commentary team that she's cashing in her ultimate X for this match and is Giselle Shaw taking on our current knockouts world champion, Jordan Grace. Now this match may have only went 10 minutes. I'm going to be completely honest though. I love me some Jordan, but this match was all about Giselle and I loved it so much. Giselle had my favorite move of this match when she hit that Spanish fly from the apron onto the floor with Jordan where she grabbed her and they both did the Spanish oh, flight yeah. onto the apron floor. I was just like, yes. I was like, Beautiful. this match to me from the moment it started to the moment it ended was more so to show off truly how great Giselle can be without interference from the rest yep. of the Chantourage. Like Giselle on her own after this match, even though she lost and Jordan retained the title. Mm -hmm. Now I'm frightened of Giselle being on her own because like she held her own against Jordan and she answered a lot of Jordan stuff too, which I was like, we actually might. I was like, nah, she can't lose. But there were moments where Giselle made me believe. I was like, oh, maybe she yeah. will take it from Jordan. This was match pleasantly surprised me because on paper, I was like, well, Giselle's going to lose, man. This is not going to be good. But Giselle no, proved me wrong because I was like, oh, maybe she's going to win this. And there were moments where it's like, well, they're going to let her win. And Jordan, what I even loved even more is that Jordan barely was able to beat Giselle she barely got the grace driver the juggernaut driver in to be able to pin giselle and that was a quick sequence too she's like i need to put giselle out now because she's she's this is not the same giselle mm -hmm. i know yeah yeah it was this i mean man i you're right this and i love that they did make this all about giselle because i think this was an important match for giselle even though we all knew that she we all knew on paper she was not going to win but she did win in the fact that I believe now that a solid solo wrestler doesn't need the chantourage, doesn't need any of those folks that I think that she and I and I've been thinking this for a little while, actually, I've been thinking that Giselle needs to be her own thing. You know, I mean, I have been feeling that kind of lately. And this just goes to show, even though she did not win the match, she almost won the match. And if I was Jordan Grace, I would be worried. Because I can see down the road, I could see Giselle taking this title. Like, seriously, after this match, I was like, Jordan, I either you you took Giselle for granted, you know, or and or Giselle is just like, bitch, I got it. See, and what I hope comes of this, because I feel that this match secretly did some work in terms of character dimensions because this match made me believe there were points where Giselle was going to win which means that if mm -hmm. TNA you know sees what we see I would actually okay well, I'm gonna put my booker hat on for get this thing okay booking hat is on now we have props here so hear me out this is what I would like to see I don't know if it's going to happen but if but 
you know, this is my perspective. Because this match did a really good job of setting up Giselle for something in the future, what I would like to see is at a sacrifice, I would actually see, even if it's non-title, I would like to see Jordan versus Ash by Elegance. So that can be the match for sacrifice. But then I want a rematch between Jordan and Giselle at Rebellion. If I'm being honest, I would love to see Giselle beat Jordan and take the title off of her at Rebellion. Or if we don't want to throw Ash to Jordan quite yet, let's have a triple threat between Jordan, Giselle, and Ash at Rebellion. That'd be cool. I'm here like, for that. But the, whatever route TNA decides to take, I hope that at the end of Rebellion, we will see a new Knockouts World Champion Giselle Shaw because I think it's time for Giselle to finally win a championship because... She's been here for mm -hmm. almost two years at this point. Yeah. In the I company. Just, I think they just had to get her out from underneath her entourage people. I think I really do. I think they needed to separate her at, and put her as a solo performer. I really do. I Because, I mean, you know, because to be honest, and it's all of these wrestlers who have like entourages or whatever you want to call them, henchmen, side, whatever. They're so, they're so much. They're basically slaves to that. Once you've created that, that's who you are forever, you know? So, and what I love about Giselle is that in order to advance her story, she literally eliminated each one of them in some way or another, and now has literally stepped out and is said to the world as a solo wrestler. Like we're gonna see her on her own, kicking some serious butt and working her way back to this again. And I I agree with you, Mikey, and I, at least I hope that that happens, is that she does take it and then Giselle becomes our, our new uh, knockout world champion eventually down the road. I mean, I don't think right now because she's just now establishing herself, obviously, as a solo wrestler. So she's got to, she's got to build up build to that. that. But uh, yeah, but I hope by the end of Rebellion, I would love mm -hmm. to take that title at Rebellion. Me too. I agree totally. That would be it. Is and with Ash being into the in this mix too has me very intrigued because I you have Giselle still circling around Jordan. Ash is waiting in the wings. Like mm -hmm. I think this has the potential to be a really good story for the next month or two leading into mm -hmm. rebellion between these three women. I agree. So really quickly, the other backstage segment I wanted to make sure that we covered is we got to go backstage real quick. We saw a quick promo from Jake something. So Jake basically says that he's watching the main event tonight between Chris Saban and Mustafa Ali because the X Division is not about weight limits. It's about no limits. And whoever walks out of this match tonight as champion better be ready because Jake wants a chance and wants a piece of that title, which makes... You know, and we're going to talk about the match itself, but I'm ready to see Jake hold the singles title. Like, I think it's yeah. his time to take to win this title. Yes, I agree. Jake can hold me. I mean, he can hold the title. But that we get to our main event, which is for the X Division Championship. Challenger Mustafa Ali taking on the champion Chris Saban. I'm not going to bear. I'm burying the lead here. This was my match of the night. I knew this was your match of the night. I knew it. What? Look, okay. I knew so, it. so let me explain. And we talked about this on the go home show. We were robbed of Musafa Ali at no mercy. And what would have probably been a really stellar match between him and Dominic Mysterio because WWE some reason decided to let him go. And so I'm just happy to see Mustafa Ali on my screen again in TNA, which I think Ali is a fantastic wrestler. He's always been, but he's never necessarily gotten the best, you know, fair shake. And for TNA to have him come in for a couple, for a little bit is awesome. But outside of my bias for Ali, this match was really fantastic. And this is what X Division means to me. You have really good groundwork wrestling. You have some fun high spots like the head scissors from Saban to Ali to throw him onto the floor was fantastic. I thought Ali got decapitated when Chris Saban threw him into the bottom turnbuckle and it looked like he ate it. I was like, he almost <laughs> got decapitated. There were fly <laughs> high flying moves. Ali was being super healy by being super disrespectful to Saban. Like when he did like the dog, like kind of like kicking dirt after they take mm -hmm. go to the bathroom towards Saban. Yeah. And from an in-ring psychology perspective. I figured that he was going to win as I was watching it. I was like, Ali's going to walk away with this. I think I, it, it's starting to feel that way. 
especially since the Alex Shelley thing happened earlier. I was like, okay, I think I was like, Saban's going to lose this because something's going on between he and Shelley. And I don't know what it is yet. And I'm curious to find out what it is. I was excited that, that, Mustafa Ali is now the X Division champion. I think that's fantastic. I'm glad that he's back in the spotlight because I really like him as a wrestler. And I love his, I love all of his promo stuff. It's super fun. He's all around just really, really fun and really good. So yeah, and I thought this match was pretty, pretty on point. It was pretty on point. And I, I liked it. I really liked it. It was almost my, my match of the night was Alexander and God. That match just it hurt me and I loved it, but it was very, very close. This one was actually, I was like, maybe this one. Cause this one was really on point. I mean, it was really, really on point. And I was, and I loved watching. I love, this is my first true time watching Ali wrestle. I've seen him in some other little things, but this is the first time I've seen him like wrestle, wrestle. And I, I mean, he's, he's good and I like him. I like his style. I like what he's got going on. Yeah, I like the arrogance. I, I kind of like that 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 aspect that that's very juxtaposed, which is very juxtaposed to Saban. Even though here recently we've been seeing Saban kind of turning kind of healy Leslie lately. Forget, he punched a dude punched in the, the face dude. two weeks away. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Yeah, he punched a dude in the face. I was just like, what is happening right now? So this was I I really liked the dynamic in this match between these two men. I really did. And like I said, it was very close. I was literally had to flip a coin. Like literally I had to flip a coin. Right. Had it landed on tails, this would have been my match of the night. It really was. And honestly, I can't fault you for picking Simon Gotch and Josh Alexander because to echo what you said, the second half of this pay-per-view, all these matches had the potential to be like yeah. match of the night because the last half of this pay-per-view, oh my goodness was yeah. just great. Everyone had their stuff. I love this match a lot, you know, as no surrender goes off the air, which means we have reached the end of our pay-per-view. So, Will, I guess the last thing that we have to do now is let's give our final ratings. So we had 10 whole matches, two on the pre-show, eight on the main card. What do, on here at the Biconics, we like to use the empanada scale. So out of 10 empanadas, what do you give TNA's No Surrender? Okay, so I scored it pretty high originally. And then I went back and, and kind of looked at the makeup of everything. So originally I had given it an 8. And now I'm at more of a 7.5. Only, And the only reason is because, well, I thought the pre-show matches were kind of eh. And I thought the overallness of it was was good. You know, the second half was obviously way better. Now, if I could break it in two, I would give freaking second half of this like a nine because it was just, I mean, just each one just built up momentum, you know, but I, I would start, I would probably actually, honestly, I'd probably put it like 7.75. It was a good pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. Could it have been stronger? Yeah, it could have. But, you know, who am I to judge things like this, to be honest? You know, my 7.5 is somebody else's 10. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really did. I just thought that there was some logistic issues and that's kind of what knocked it down for me a little bit. And, and of course the PCO con being where it was, I don't think it should have been in the pre-show. The the system and the time splitters or whatever, they, they should have been in the actual main card. I just, you know, and then I thought, you know, the Eric Young Kazarian fight was a little mushy in the middle. I mean, it was, you know, it really didn't start kicking off, really, I think, till after PCO and Con. After that, after that match, then it was just like uphill, like, boo, like into the moon. I mean, it was so good. So, yeah, I'd say about 7.75 for me. Empanadas, even though I like tamales better, but. I love that. I graded it a little bit higher, but not by much. I gave this an 8 out of 10 for me. If I were to give a letter equivalent, because Andrew's not here. So I would. I gave the show a B-. minus mm Because -hmm. like you said, if I divide the show in half, with, including the pre-show and the first half of the card, I would have given a 7. And then the second half from Simon Gotch, Josh Alexander onwards was a 9 out of 10. So mm -hmm. I so combined that together, I was like, gave it a middle of 
eight for me. So obviously I knew it wasn't going to reach our, our like our really high ratings that Hard to Kill was, you know, cause 9.5, 9.8, 9 9.7, 9 5s, like we, that was, yeah. that's still the highest rated pay-per-view so far this year for me. Yeah, and me it's too. only February, which is really crazy as you see. But I still think, you know, for as much as I was worried to see where this pay-per-view would go, you know, since this is the first live thing post Scott Demore being let go from the company, I was pleasantly surprised. The talent was great. I had a fun time. I'm super happy to see some one of the titles did change hands today, so which makes me excited of where we build this view. But I'm excited to see where this leads because we it's going to be a quick turnaround because we have two weeks until sacrifice. Right. So we'll be back in two weeks to review sacrifice. Spoiler alert. But will, unfortunately, that does bring us to the end of another Grapple Gurus review. You know, I'm sad that we are done, but we're not wrestling nerds out there. Stay tuned tomorrow because you will see my lovely face back once and again. We'll be tagging in the WWE boys because me, the professor, and we're not sure if it's going to be Minnie or Senor Luchadon who shows up to the pay-per-view review. But the three of us are going to be covering the Elimination Chamber review tomorrow night. So you get two for the price of one. So make sure to come on back because we have a lot of opinions about the Elimination Chamber. And I'm just going to give a little preview. We are going to be all over the place tomorrow night because we're going to be fighting. It's going to be great because we had such differing opinions. But we I think we all agreed what our favorite match of the night was. And we all agreed that's the only thing we agree on. So if you want to figure out what that is, you got to tune in tomorrow. But if you can't stop by for the Elimination Chamber review, you can catch an edited review as well as everything else we have here at the YouTube channel. You can follow us on social medias at BC WrestlePod once again. You can take us on the go if you can't sit and watch our beautiful faces. We have audio versions of everything. And, you know, we tr we're trying to do this live stream thing. It's crazy. And then you can come see us in person at New Jersey WrestleCon May 18th, May 19th. It's going to be a really good time. Me and Will are going to get on out of here. It is. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily late, but we, we got to get ready for work and things like that. But thanks for tuning in to another live stream review for the Grapple Gurus. As I said, I will be back tomorrow with the WWE boys. And you can check Will out later this week when he and a returning Andrew helped me cover NXT and TNA this week. So I'm super excited. But we're going to get on out of here from myself, Will, Andrew, and the rest of the Biconics boys. Remember, take care of yourself love one another and as always stay biconic you guys gals non-binary pals he she they's and gays of the internet we will see you tomorrow for another live edition of the grapple gurus but until then thank you so much for tuning in to another vibe tribe production what's gonna happen next time well you're gonna have to tune in to find out but until then remember Take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, make sure that you keep the good times rolling. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time.